hear people through the walls. And somebody asked me, did I want to give a message to anybody? And I said, yeah, I told them I want to give a message to my husband, tell him I love him and all my family that I love him. And, and I'll see him up in heaven, I guess. We hear this loud boom and uh, every window in the house exploded. The roof was lifted. Uh, a chimney fell. A four-year-old child. And in their devastation, they were helping that family try to get out. I know like the folks in, in Western Kentucky, um, I'm not doing so well today. And I'm not sure how many of us uh, are. I was working on getting the confirmed deaths this morning and realized I was writing on the back of uh, of notes that one of my kids took from uh, school. 75% of the city is gone. You can see homes obliterated, debris everywhere, cars on top of each other, even a refrigerator in a tree. I hope and pray a lot of people are okay. Best thing that anybody can do right now is to pray for all of these individuals and all the families that have been touched by this horrible situation. Jack Riccardi, 4 till 7, News Talk 550, KTSA, and FM 1071. KTSA, news time is 4.06. Good afternoon. We have obviously a very big, breaking, developing story going on um, in Kentucky and Illinois, and we're going to start with that here this afternoon. You know, I think, I think the one fact that sort of sums up how bad this tornado outbreak was is when they said this morning in one of the briefings that there are um, people missing who and unaccounted for who, who may be in that rubble or may be unable to communicate with their family and friends because every form of communication has been disrupted by this weather event. In other words, they could just be missing because the cell towers are down and the landlines are down. And they are in a place where they can't let people who are wondering about them know that they are okay. And that's being dealt with as we speak, hour by hour. This story is changing. You heard the governor of Kentucky, Andy Bashir, uh, breaking down, saying he was taking notes on the death numbers, and he realized he was writing on the back of his kids' school notes. And the thing about tornadoes is that this isn't like a hurricane where you have five days of advance forecasting on the weather channel and the cone of probability so people were doing their thing they were working they were shopping they were at home um and these things spin up very as we know from the few that we've had here they spin up very very quickly and this wave of them was historic uh for these states um entire towns that are gone uh buildings that were brick and reinforced steel uh leveled you know, we think maybe of tornado damage more often in the Midwest, mobile homes and track houses, but these were things that had survived the ages, churches and civic buildings that had survived the ages. And um, because of this part of the country, people are earnestly and sincerely praying and, and inviting prayer. And you don't hear anybody cynically saying, we don't want your prayers like they do in some other places. They want your prayers. They believe in it. What you should not believe in is what the politicians have already started to do with this tragedy, that these tornadoes are a reason to pass the Green New Deal. 
A part of me knew they would do this. Another part of me still can't believe the rank opportunism in this moment. I thought I had believed in some things in my lifetime, but I've never, I've never thought to use dead bodies under piles of bricks as a reason or an opportunity. I'm kind of proud that I never have. Every natural disaster these days is a reason for climate action. All of them. Tornadoes, hurricanes, floods, heat waves, snowstorms, freezes. What they don't tell you is that worldwide, the death toll from extreme weather has been steadily dropping for decades. What they don't tell you is that people who study the history of the planet, and I mean the whole history, I mean people that drill into ice cores and, and, and look at the rings on trees that are thousands of years old, the, what they don't tell you is that uh, all of what's happening in our lifetime is a little bit, a little piece of a tapestry that goes on long before us and will go on long after us. Tornadoes are not becoming more frequent. There is a range of observed tornadoes every year between 900 and 1,600. So the average is about 1,200. Warming, so-called, may have some effects on our planet. But they are not, it is not the cause of severe or seasonal weather. And when you think about what they really want to do, what they're using this tragedy as a, as a stage to do, the anti-warming agenda would do far more damage to humanity than all the natural disasters you can think of. Put them all together, roll them all up, and more people would be impoverished and hungry and thirsty and oppressed by what they want to do. And shame on everyone who, before they even extended a hand to help, gave a climate change speech because of Kentucky. Almost 200 years ago, a Frenchman named de Tocqueville came to this country because he wanted to write about what was then a, a brand new and experimental society, the young United States of America. The Europeans were interested to know, is how's it working out? Is it working out? So he traveled, and he went through various cities and towns and just visited with and observed the lives of everyday Americans, people like you and me, in the 1830s. And he wrote a book about it called Democracy in America. One of the things that most struck him was how when there is a challenge or a problem, Americans just join forces with one another and figure out how to solve it. This struck him because in the society he came from, People never did that. They didn't even know they could do that. They waited for someone in authority to build it, to fix it, to repair it. And maybe they did, maybe they didn't, but that was what you did. 
he noticed that Americans just figured it out. They formed a committee. They had a meeting. They pitched in. And he saw a second benefit from that. Not only was it beneficial because in a diverse, sparsely populated country like ours was, that was the only way to do things. We didn't have a massive federal bureaucracy in the 1830s. There wasn't a FEMA. But the other thing he saw as a benefit of this was that it brought different kinds of people together and they interacted with each other and they learned to live with each other. And people that wouldn't have met in their town or in their church came together to solve a problem or deal with a flood or build a library. And it helped people learn about one another and live with one another. And I thought of that when I heard the story of a man named Jim Finch this weekend. Did you hear this story? Jim Finch uh, is a man who showed up all of a sudden in Mayfield, Kentucky, which is one of the hard-hit places in this tornado outbreak. And he started unpacking from his vehicle a charcoal grill and packages of food and pallets of bottled water, and nobody knew what he was doing. And people started asking him, are you from a restaurant? And he said, no. And they said, are you from a, a food company or a supermarket chain? And he laughed and said, no. Are you from, and they asked him about some different relief organizations, and he said, no. So finally, a reporter asked him, well, what are you doing here? And Jim Finch said, I know they didn't have any electricity, so that means they don't have any restaurants, they don't have any running water, so I figured I would do what I could. I would show up with some food and some water. And he brought his grill, because you don't need electricity, to cook on a grill. And he cooked and he fed people and he gave people water. And he smiled. And he said, it just needed to be done. This is what de Tocqueville saw in us. This is what I see in us. A guy came up to me yesterday in a coffee shop, a guy I know, and he asked me what I thought was kind of an odd question in a coffee shop on a Sunday afternoon. He said, um, do you think we'll still have a country in a year? <laughs> it's a bizarre question, right? Uh, but I understand people are worried and people are wondering what's becoming of us. Um, I think we will have a country in a year and, and beyond that. I, I am optimistic. I, I We talk about the problems. We describe the challenges and the craziness on this show. I'm sure because of what we talk about, I'm sure it, it, at times you think, how are we ever going to unravel all this or dig out of all this? But then when you see a story like the Jim Finch story, that's who we are. That's not who the media says we are. That's not who the experts say we are. That's not who the pollsters say we are. That's not who the Republicans say we are or the Democrats say we are. That's just who we are. We're de Tocqueville's Americans. Still. And um, what's happening in Kentucky is real. This isn't a made-up crisis. This isn't a crisis crafted by politicians to... Uh, impose new laws or restrictions on people or exaggerated or invented somewhere. This is real. People will die. People will starve. People will freeze unless other people help them. Jim Finch reacted faster and better than any agency of the government. 
because that's who we are. We are the people we will have to depend on. A lot of you are hoping about the election next year. We are the people you will have to depend on. It, 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 who we elect next year is not going to fix this. Who we defeat next year is not going to fix this. It's up to us. We will uh, be getting an update this afternoon on the um, final numbers for Rapping with Jack, or at least the up-to-date numbers. I don't know if these are the final numbers or just the current numbers, because they may be still having uh, money trickle in and donations trickle in. I know the, the give button is still at KTSA.com. If you haven't hit it, you can hit it. But um, we're going to get an update on how it went. And a big thank you to you if you were part of uh, helping us do this for these families this year with Family Service Association. I want to thank you for that. Um, I say it a lot, but I, I can't say it enough uh, for how grateful I am and I'm, on their behalf how grateful we are. Um, so we talked about the tornado outbreak and um, what's happening with it. I, I can't get over the contrast between people just helping and just giving what they can give versus the immediate political response of going to talking points. Well, this is because you didn't pass our bill. You know, they're making it really easy for us to see the divide, not between Democrats and Republicans, the divide between those who govern us and we the governed. There's just an amorality to it. There's no bottom. You know, you, you might think, well, they can't go any lower than and then they do. On the other hand, I thought this was interesting. Jared Polis is the governor of Colorado. He's a Democrat. And he said over the weekend on a public radio interview, uh, the COVID-19 emergency is over. You heard me right. Democratic governor. The COVID-19 emergency is over, saying it's the unvaccinated's own darn fault, his words, if they get sick from the virus. Everybody's had more than enough opportunity to get vaccinated. At this point, if you haven't been vaccinated, it's really your own darn fault. He says there won't be any more statewide mandates. He still encourages everyone to get vaccinated and boosted, but he says the emergency is over. If you haven't been vaccinated, that's your choice. I respect that. We're not declaring any more emergencies. We see it as the end of the medical emergency. He gets it. This is the governor of Colorado getting what many Democrats and almost no one in the Biden White House seems to get. And... um saying it out loud. I I know a lot of them think it, but I'll give him credit for saying it. It's astonishing to me that this hasn't been the position of the Democratic Party since the inauguration. Remember when when President Trump would go around saying, if they win, the whole thing will be over. It's because he presumed that they would be done with it if they attained power. They attained power. They're not done with it. And I wonder how long it'll be before they start accusing Governor Polis of killing grandmas and 
hating people and being anti-science. If it hasn't already started, maybe it's if you're in Colorado, let me know. Maybe it's already uh, maybe it's already started. School children in Germany are being um, forced to divulge their vaccination status in front of their fellow students on a daily basis. So it's like show and tell, only the fascist version. (laughs) So kids are asked to stand up in school and disclose their vaccination status. If they are not vaccinated, uh, other students are allowed to question why they are not vaccinated. It's being called ritual humiliation. Those who are vaccinated are applauded by the classroom while there's an awkward silence for those who are not. Now, I hate to say this. I don't mean to disrespect the German people. Germany is a proud country with a long history that obviously had a very dark chapter in it. But when you see this, you you see how they got into the trouble they got in the 1930s. Only it's not just them. I mean, history is repeating itself there. But it's not just them. There is some kind of S&M-like pleasure that some people are taking in the exclusion of, in the exposure of, in the ostracization of people that don't have the vaccine. And in the beginning, they hid it under, or they dressed it up as concern. Well, we just want everybody to be okay. But now, but now it's really loathing, right? I mean, that's just unbelievable. The children are, are going through that. And, and think about the formative experience and the shaping of that as you grow up. You'll never forget that. It's the old saying, I can forget what you said, but I'll never forget how you made me feel. Yeah. Uh, talking about, uh, this tornado outbreak that, uh, has left dozens of people dead and many dozens unaccounted for. And the hope is that at least some of those are people that haven't been in touch, haven't been able to make communi- you know, uh, have communication with family and friends that they're not all uh, unaccounted for because they're in that rubble, but obviously that work, that search and rescue work continues. We're following that story. We'll have all of the latest right here this afternoon if you keep it right here on 550 and 1071 KTSA. And Esteban is on the radio. Esteban, good evening to you. Good evening. Uh, first of all, anybody who knows meteorology and is familiar with the area and familiar with thunderstorms know these things are awesome. It's scary Uh strange as a pilot the training i got was basically built a healthy amount of respect even for a daytime heating shower which is nowhere near compared to what and the more you understand about what actually happened the more reverence to god you get about this and no this and the scientific illiteracy is just horrifying because this is a fairly common occurrence i lived at one point in the, in the south end of Tornado Alley. And I knew that, God forbid, if there was going to be a tornado, the way that house was constructed, if it was a severe tornado, I'm dead. And that's just a fact of life. We did not have a storm shelter. I would have loved to have one. But within that area, that if there had been a severe tornado in that city and it had hit my house, everybody in that house, when that tornado hit, 
was likely to be severely injured or dead. Mm -hmm. Uh, God bless those who are compassionate and doing the right thing and helping these victims. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the whole play about the bringing global warming, Trey Ward pointed it out in the morning, that we've actually had a reduction in severe tornadoes. We've also had a big growth in population in areas and the houses are not constructed with storm shelters. Right. Houses aren't, and so it's a wonder there's not. I hate to sound dark, but it's a wonder there's not more dead. And to basically bring really bad science, there's a the green technology crap is. There's any self-respecting engineer or anybody with a kinesis background will tell you how much BS is what the green technology and the hype about it. To bring that into the picture when thousands of people got a very horrifying reminder that man yeah. ain't God. Well, it, it's it's never let a crisis go to waste. It's that thinking that we've seen so much of in the last couple of years. Esteban, thank you. I appreciate the call. Um, yeah, it's not it's not it doesn't work as an explanation. It doesn't work as a response. You know, preaching about the Green New Deal the day after uh, a deadly tornado is is a very, very thinly veiled way of saying, tried to warn you, tried to help you, could have prevented this. And they won't actually say that. But they really need to be called on that. Are you saying that if we give you the Green New Deal, if we do all this stuff, which we're not going to do, but if we do, you saying you can turn off the tornadoes? Well, uh... Can I get that in writing? Like, I want I want some guarantees. Because you're talking about trillions of dollars. You're talking about fundamentally shifting the middle class of this country into permanent poverty. So I just want to understand, what am I signing up for? Is it no more tornadoes? Like, fewer? How many fewer? Are you telling me we won't have severe weather like February won't happen again? What do you, what do you, and they can't, they fall apart. 210-599-5555. Remember last week we told you that a uh, state rep in Illinois had introduced a bill that would yank your insurance. It would take away, or it wouldn't, it would give the health insurance companies the right to get, take away, deny your insurance if you were unvaccinated. State Representative Jonathan Carroll has withdrawn his bill. He says because he got threats. Should have withdrawn it because it was a stupid bill. But it gave the lie, right, to the Democratic talking point of the last dozen years or so that health care is a right and health insurance is a right and access to health care is a right. It, it, apparently it's not. That was all just talk. Apparently when you do something they don't like and you piss them off, they can just take it away. He sounds like you'd fit in with those German school teachers, doesn't he? Uh, City of Chicago confirming it will pursue its lawsuit against Jesse Smollett, who was convicted last week on five felony charges from his hate crime hoax. The city is going to recoup its losses, and they want $130,000 in uh, how they calculate the wasted resources from their two-week investigation. It seems low. Seems like it would have been even more than that. Jesse Smollett. I hope he's not taking this news too hard. You know, whatever you do, Jesse, don't beat yourself up about it. It's not. Uh, 
Sorry, I'm sorry. Is it too soon? No? Okay. Um, I want to play this for you. This uh, a guy in uh, Chicago. He's a morning radio guy named Mays. He made this um, montage of all the people in the media who told us right out of the gate, you better believe him. And I'm very disappointed in you, America, for doing this to him. What does this say about us? Is this who we are? So these are the people that beclowned themselves, a few of them, uh, right after Jussie Smollett's hoax. Take a listen. Cut number six. This is about coming to the aid of another brother that has tasted the brutality of hatred, racism, and bigotry. In this situation, hate won't win. Mm -hmm. It will not. You didn't deserve, nor anybody deserves, to have a noose put around your neck. He had bleach poured onto him. This needs to stop. He will forgive these people for what they did. and But he won't. And we cannot forget their actions. And hopefully this just opens up opens up people's eyes. It's just what needs to stop, man. Why are we going backwards? There are a lot of evidence of, 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 of violent incidents that happen at these MAGA rallies. This is, this is a, essentially terrorism, and you wonder, like, how deep it goes, these hateful groups that get together, or maybe, hopefully it's just two people, but that's what I'm afraid of, that it's going to well, go a lot mean, deeper. Well, I mean, people call it terrorism because the media does not. It you is. Know, it is. It's domestic terrorism. Absolutely. But I don't like that it's being put out there in the media that this is a right. possible yeah. hate crime. Right. I think that even sows a seed that makes people feel Undoubt. like, well, is he making this up? Yeah. Well, what is this about? Right. I don't like that. Like, don't put that in people's minds. This man was hurt. He was injured and he needs justice. It's the, the horrific yeah. details, you know, behind the premeditation for this attack yeah they didn't find a rope they brought a rope yeah. i mean uh we thought we pretty much thought racism had come a long way when uh president barack obama was president but by the way it had yeah it, it had but but so then but then the again. hatred yeah. so so if you really want to get into that you want you want to build a wall for somebody build a wall for some of the white nationalists and supremacists we have a media that's saying it's a debate whether or not what just happened to jesse smollett is a hate crime it's absurd the isn't a debate. There have been people in the government now who have made it okay for people to announce these hateful feelings that they have towards other people. We really need to find Well, these one people. of the things you and I were discussing earlier is clearly anyone who lives with this kind of hate is not terribly bright. <laughs> you know, I hear a lot of hate in their voices, don't you? They sound like they're consumed with hate. They hate you. They hate white people. Then, by the way, there were no white people involved in this. But have you have you heard any anybody apologize for that whole line of rigmarole? No, there was there, there were no white people involved in this. And the hate I hear is, man, we've been waiting for a moment we could tee it up on the Trump voters, on the whites, on America. What's wrong with you, America? Notice how America had taken a step backwards because of something that happened on one block in Obama land? Oh, America took a step backward. Because we all know what happens downtown in Chicago at 2 o'clock in the morning. That, that represents the whole country. See, I think Jesse Smollett knew all this was out there. I think he anticipated everything you heard. He knew that when he did this, this would be the receiving, you know, ward. This would be the... 
the um, the the peanut gallery. The only thing he wasn't counting on was that law enforcement would overcome the probably pressure to get this thing wrapped up, and they actually went looking at and digging under the story and turning over stones and and testing you know claims, and it fell apart. He didn't count on that. He didn't count on the police work part of it, but he absolutely got the culture right, didn't he? The culture exa- did exactly what he anticipated. If you want to know why he thought he could get away with it, that montage that Mays put together is why. Um, we're talking about the Jesse Smollett uh, story. City of Chicago is suing for $130,000 in wasted uh, man hours investigating his hate crime hoax. James is calling in on KTSA. Uh, James, good afternoon. Hello, sir. Thank you for having me on. I love your dreadful little show. Please oh, well, thank going. you. I don't know if your call screener may have misunderstood me, but I was looking at listening to the montage, and one of them was, I think it was Joy Behar on The View, saying something about, oh, well, they're acting as if they're making it's possible hate crime. Oh, maybe he's making it up. I find that rather ironic. And I also, uh, you had someone on there speaking about, um, uh, okay, the government is giving license to people to say hateful things. It seems to me the government is giving license to people to say hateful things. It's just not the people you think that he means, if you know what it means. Well, I mean, a lot of that to me was just gibberish, but um, not what you said. What was was on that montage was gibberish. But I I think, I mean, obviously we all have the... We all have the right. There's no license with with speech. We all have the right uh, to yeah. to speak our minds. What is happening yeah. though is that people in government um, are saying things from their official perch that are pretty hateful. Um, yeah. When you when you tell the American people as the president you've lost patience with them, when you have governors and mayors threatening to make people's lives hard. When did you ever think you would hear that? All politicians ever used to do was promise to make your life easier, easier. Now they're promising to make it hard. I'll tell you one thing, and the news media is not helping either because it gets to the point where you don't even want to go ahead and listen to anything except the traffic and the weather. Because Well, they a lot of those media people on that montage were upset that uh, people were doubting or being skeptical of Jesse Smollett's story. Um, yeah. When, in fact, if you're a journalist, you're supposed to be... If I tell you today's Monday, you're supposed to be skeptical. You're supposed to go check that out and look that up. So I, I think you make yeah. a good point, James. Thank you. Thank you for the call. Um, the, the the fact is, a lot of people believed Jesse Smollett, not because he told one heck of a believable story. I mean, he really didn't, right? I mean, you strip away the 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 politics and the biases, and it was a... It was a Story that's very hard to believe, very hard to take in. They believed it because they wanted to. They believed it because it gave them a chance to give, you know, to to vent and give voice to how they felt. Jesse Smollett did them a favor. They wanted to emote about how hideous and racist and backwards and embarrassing America is in the world. We're not exceptional. We're deplorable. Thank you, Jesse. And then when he was exposed as having made it up, there was no place for them to go. 
There was no way to climb down. But actually, if you're a, and, and not all of them were, but if you're a journalist, you're always looking askance at people's claims and people's stories. Even when it's the official version of events. Well, the government says Lee Harvey Oswald killed JFK and acted all by himself. But if you're a journalist, you don't necessarily believe that. And hundreds of books and tens of thousands of news articles have been written by people who don't and didn't believe that. That's how you do your job. Chris Cuomo, disgraced former CNN anchor, is now, uh, it's now revealed that, um, he was making some pretty personal and ugly attacks and comments about Fox News Channel meteorologist Janice Dean. The New York Post says part of the conversations he was having with his brother, the governor's office, was about what to do about Janice Dean. Now, if you don't watch Fox, I'll just tell you, Janice Dean's their chief meteorologist, but she also lost, I believe it was her mother and father-in-law, to... COVID death in the nursing homes in New York. And she's furious about it, very outspoken about it, has written about it, spoken about it, testified before the Congress about it. In a conversation reported by the New York Post, Chris Cuomo refers to her as this Fox weather bitch. Any help painting her as a far-right crazy? Um... I, I know this is how they talk when they think no one's listening or will hear them or will know. But it kind of, it kind of gives the lie to the whole, I respect all women. I am a feminist. I'm on CNN and I'm brimming with respect for all people. No. <laughs> the fox weather bitch. Hey, if I was her, I'd be having the t-shirts made right now. You know me. Chris Wallace is leaving Fox. I think he left a long time ago. I don't know about you. Have you watched him moderate those debates? Anyway, he uh, was a longtime host of their Sunday morning show, which I don't watch and I can't remember the name of, but he announced on that show yesterday that he's leaving after 18 or 20 years with the network. And um, what he didn't announce, but what was then uh, revealed, is he's joining CNN. And I, we asked you about this on the JR poll today. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to have a hate fest for Chris Wallace. Um, I, I just find him not at all compelling. A lot of people will say, oh, he's not a real conservative. He doesn't belong on Fox. That really isn't my problem with him. I, I'll let you in on a secret. Not all the people on Fox are conservatives. My problem with Chris Wallace is when he would be in a situation where he could ask hard questions, he dropped the ball. And those debates were, you know, exhibit A. So he's over at CNN now. I wonder if when you go from Fox to CNN, do you have to like, is there like penance you have to do? You know, like in the Catholic Church, you have to, you have to say like five Our Fathers and ten Hail Marys or something. I don't know. It must be, maybe, maybe you have to go through like a ritual cleansing, you know, because you were at Fox and now you're at CNN. I don't know. Um, Having tried and failed this in a couple of cities in Vermont uh, earlier this year, uh, the progressives in New York City have now passed a measure. This happened last Friday. 
that would allow non-citizens to vote in city council races the next time they have city elections, which will be 2023. There's approximately 900,000 people in New York City who are not U.S. citizens. That's a lot of people. That's probably what, like 8% of the city's population, 10%, something like that? Um, So these would be people who are here legally but not citizens. And um, in a number of other states, there are now constitutional amendments that have passed or are pending that would uh, eliminate even the possibility of this. So the state constitution would preclude a town or a city from allowing non-citizens to vote. What is going on here exactly? I mean, you can't really argue that a non-citizen has been deprived of his or her franchise by not voting. So we hear the argument that Democrats make that voter ID and, um, you know, verifying voters uh, in an election, that's somehow oppressive and, and, it, and it, it suppresses the vote and it discourages people from voting. But, but of course, it, it doesn't actually prevent them from voting. It just supposedly makes it difficult. Okay. So that's one thing. But those are all people that are citizens. What are you what are you trying to achieve when you're inviting non-citizens to vote? Well, I think you're trying to achieve two things and only one of them gets talked about. Obviously, you're trying to undermine election integrity. You're trying to get more voters who you think will vote for your party and your candidates. They would have no interest in this if they didn't think and weren't reasonably sure that these 800 or 900,000 additional voters would vote the way they want them to. But here's the other thing you're doing that nobody ever talks about. You're erasing the distinction of citizenship. You're you're making citizenship sort of a, a formality. So whereas when my grandparents came to this country 110 years ago, the attainment of citizenship was enormous. It meant everything. And I don't mean that in the patriotic swell of your breast way. I mean, it meant everything. It meant access to everything. It meant a seat at the table. What we're doing now is we're saying citizenship is just a piece of paper. It's just like an honorary thing, like you're, you know, like you've got a, you got a little framed thing you hang on the wall in the hallway, but it's not important and you don't need to show it anybody. And it's, if you want it, great. If you don't want it, no, no, no big deal. Th- that's, also what's going on here and while everybody focuses on what will this mean to elections and election integrity you change everything if you change the notion of citizenship no other country denigrates its own citizenship no country does it because no country could withstand it it's the end of a sovereign nation And we have a particular problem in our country because, as many people have pointed out over the years, and they've said it more eloquently than I can, what binds us together as Americans is an idea. So citizenship is the expression of that idea. I swear allegiance to. I believe in this stuff. I know the rules of the road. That's all we have. We don't have shared DNA. We're not all from the same tribe. 
or descended from the same lineage like in most countries that's the that's the unifying thing shared blood we we don't have that and they're trying to throw it away and i i think they know exactly what they're doing um i've heard people say don't worry about it it's not legal it will never survive in the courts but it's pretty serious even as something they're attempting to do. And don't take your eye off that part of it just because you're worried about what will happen in the elections, although I understand that. All right, 210-599-5555. What are your thoughts about that? Non-citizen voting, 210-599-5555. You can also shoot me an email, jack at ktsa.com. By the way, I saw this was funny. They had the funeral uh, and memorial service for Senator Bob Dole the other day. And um, he wrote a letter uh, like a farewell letter, because I, I don't know if you remember this or not, but Bob Dole had a, a sharp sense of humor. I mean, he was a, a witty guy. And he wrote a, a, a letter that in, in many ways was very moving. Uh, he talked about going to heaven and seeing um, his daughter, who he, he and his wife lost a daughter, I believe, at a very young age. So anyway, I uh, talked about that. And he says, um, I know that God will be walking with me. I also confess, he wrote, that I'm a bit curious to learn and find if I'm correct in thinking that heaven will look a lot like Kansas and to see, like others who have gone before me, if I will still be able to vote in Chicago. So right up till the end, Bob Dole is cracking jokes. We didn't talk a lot about him um, last week. We had so much else going on. I wasn't trying to be disrespectful. Um, and uh, we, I did watch some of those services. And it was, it was, I thought it was, it was um, reassuring to see that people still come together and honor uh, the kind of service he rendered. And, and, and a point was made that, they weren't honoring just his political service. This is a man that served in World War II and served uh, heroically and was grievously wounded uh, at the Battle of the Bulge. But I thought it was, it, it put me in mind of when he ran for president in 1996. Do you remember that? It's a long time ago. That's 25 years ago. And he was running against Bill Clinton, who was seeking a second term. And it was a, it was kind of a, you know, I wouldn't say it was a, a futile effort, but it was a long shot. Bill Clinton was pretty popular. Um, obviously, if you remember Bill Clinton, he was a really good campaigner. And the Republicans really just didn't have many, many hopes or much hope for uh, preventing him from winning a second term. I remember that year, and I remember thinking... You know, as many people as you talk to that have a Dole sticker on their car or, uh, or are talking about voting for, for Dole, that you didn't really, t- really weren't, they weren't, really didn't believe he was going to win. They just thought, well, you need to make a campaign and make the argument. Anyway, so he did that. He got Jack Kemp as his running mate, who's somebody I always really admired, who I think actually would have been a great president if he'd ever had the, the opportunity. And we lost Jack Kemp some years ago. But anyway, when Dole was running, it was it, it was kind of personal for me to watch what he was going through. He was about the same age as my dad. 
And around the time that he was running for president, my dad had a stroke that changed the the entire trajectory of the remainder of his life. He would live another nine years, but after that stroke, everything was different. You know how that is. And Bob Dole, by the time he got to run for president, and he had wanted to run for president and be president for a long time, but 1996 became the year it all came together for him. He was... He had difficulty. I mean, it was hard for him to get around. He, uh, you know, he, he, he walked with some difficulty. He climbed stairs with some difficulty. He had trouble with his arm and his hand. And he struggled with his age. He struggled with running against an agile, young, energetic, sharp opponent. And obviously the media bias that went with that. For me, watching Bob Dole run for president in 1996, knowing he wasn't going to win, knowing he was an imperfect candidate, it was also like watching the end of that generation in our nation's leadership. Because that was going to be the last um, greatest generation candidate, and that was going to be the last guy of my dad's generation. And my whole life, people like my dad had been the people I looked up to and had been the people in charge of a lot of things. You know, the companies I worked for, the the country I live in. And so you had this sense that, yeah, it's probably not going to happen, but this is it. This is the last lap around the track for that generation. And I was thinking of that when Bob Dole was being laid to rest on uh, last week. And if you had any thoughts about that, Again, we we really we probably should have talked about it more than we did. There were just so many things going on. Coming up Wednesday, our worst Christmas song of all time special. That'll be in the 6 o'clock hour on Wednesday. And uh, looking forward to that or dreading it. Either way, it's, it's coming. Um, and Thursday night at 6, we will be uh, airing on KTSA and live streaming on the 550 KTSA Facebook page. A wrap-up of Rappin' with Jack, including some Christmas songs done by Ken Slavin. So live Christmas music, a live stream event on the 550 KTSA Facebook page and here on the radio. That'll be Thursday night at 6. So worst Christmas song, Wednesday night at 6. Beautiful Christmas music, Thursday night at 6. It's like yin and yang. Black and white. 210-599-5555 on KTSA. Eric is on the radio. Eric, welcome to the show. Good evening to you. Well, good evening to you, Jack. Hey, listen, uh, speaking about Bob Dole and his uh, memorial service and all, did you happen to catch any of that? When Uh, Not very very much of it because not very much because I was working. Well, well, Kamala Harris and her husband were uh, seated first, of course, uh, at the memorial service. And then comes mm-hmm. Joe Biden and Jill. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, everyone standing, Joe and Jill come in and they sit down. Uh, Joe leans over and says something to Jill and they both get up and switch places. So now that uh, now Joe Biden is sitting be, uh, sitting not in between his wife and Kamala, but away from her. And then Kamala then whispers to her husband. So a little snubbing going on uh, between those two. I found that very interesting. Oh, I wouldn't have even thought of that. I would have just figured there was some sort of protocol seating or 
way that you seat the VIP. You know what I mean? Like there's a an order that they're supposed to sit in. Yeah, well, there were there were no uh, uh, formalities or any you know acknowledgement of either one when they came in. I you know it mm-hmm. it could have been just something that you know happened that way, but uh, yeah, uh, they swapped seats. I thought that was interesting. Interesting. All right, thank you, Eric. I appreciate that. Um, police um, in Scotland have uh, recently announced that they will log rapes sex crimes as being carried out by a woman if the accused rapist insists. Meaning, if you are accused of and charged with a rape, but you identify as a female, even if that in in that moment is the first time you've ever identified as a female, they will write it down. They will report it as having been carried out by a woman. New laws making it easier to self-identify. So that's what's happening in Scotland, and that's what brings J.K. Rowling into the news again, the Harry Potter author who's been very outspoken on just being truthful about gender. You know, we talked about this with Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle has made a point of saying in his comedy special, The Closer, I I just want you to understand, I don't hate you, but I'm not going to use these these constructs. You can use them, but I'm not going to use them. You want to deny science? You want to deny gender as a biological fact? You can. I can't stop you. I'm just a comedian, he says, but I'm not... I'm not participating. J.K. Rowling is uh, another outspoken person. She says, look, I'm trying to protect the identity of women, the concept of a woman. She tweeted out, and this was yesterday, war is peace, freedom is slavery, ignorance is strength, the penist individual who raped you is a woman. <laughs> By the way, the penist individual is probably going to become a very handy term. The first three lines are lifted right from George Orwell. War is peace, freedom is slavery, ignorance is strength. And then she adds, the penist individual who raped you is a woman. Well, she's getting a lot of hate for that. And... um they're, uh, you know what they're saying, a lot of the, the r- remarks on her thread are, you could use your voice for a lot of things, why did you choose this? Why are you talking about this? And I find that funny, because, again, I, I, I talked about this last week, when I was a kid, feminism was really in its heyday, right, in the 70s? And if you were an outspoken feminist or a militant feminist, you talked about that all the time. You went on The Tonight Show and you talked to Johnny Carson about it. You talked about, if you were an actress, you talked about it in interviews when you were promoting your movie. If you were a, a, a singer, you talked about it when you were promoting your album. No one said to the feminists, hey, why don't you shut up about feminism? Enough with the feminism. Because they wouldn't have liked that. Why does J.K. Rowling have to shut up? Isn't the point of feminism that you don't have to shut up? 
Isn't the point of feminism that women should be heard? That when women are inconvenient or objectionable, they're still valid? And this is the, I was saying this to a friend of mine over the weekend. I, this is the part I really don't understand about the reaction right now to not only, um, this, this J.K. Rowling thing, but also like what's going on with, with girls and women's sports. How guys are just coming in, identifying as a woman or a girl and dominating and taking all the, the slots and winning the awards and winning the races and winning the scholarships. I, I'm just dumbfounded because the moms, and the grandmoms of these girls that are standing there with their mouth hanging open are from the feminist generation. You, you can't say they don't know what to do. They, are, they were immersed in it. And if they ever raised their voice in the numbers that we know they have, this would be over in five minutes. There wouldn't be another boy running in a girls' track event. That would be over. Quickly over. If they just stood up. There's so many of them. I can't believe people are standing by and letting that happen. It's a testimony to how much we don't want to be labeled or attacked as phobic. We're so afraid of that. That's the only thing I can think of, unless there's some other explanation you have, as to why people are allowing their own daughters to be displaced and erased, which is what's happening. And what she's talking about. This just came out. You may not have ever heard it yet. Jimmy Fallon wrote a Christmas song. You know, I used to love Jimmy Fallon. I Can we stop for a minute here? I, I, I enjoyed Jimmy Fallon a lot on Saturday Night Live. I know some people can take him or leave him. I loved him on Saturday Night Live. I was kind of kind of jazzed about him getting the Tonight Show gig. I can't stand him on the Tonight Show. I don't know. Has anyone else noticed this? It's like Jimmy Fallon, somebody told Jimmy Fallon he's cute. And everything he does now on the Tonight Show is he makes these little cute faces, and he's like doing this little, oh, look what I just said. Oh, look at me. I'm giggling. He's just, it's, what happened to you, dude? What happened to you? Used to be this subversively funny guy. So Jimmy Fallon wrote a song for Christmas and uh, enlisted the support of uh, two of the biggest stars in pop music, Ariana Grande and Megan Thee Stallion. And I want you to hear, as soon as you hear it, you'll know where they're going with this. This is Jimmy Fallon's new, just released for 2021 Christmas song. Take a listen to this. You get the idea, right? And and you know, part of me wants to think, okay, he's just he's making fun of 
you know, the, the, the sort of collective mind meld, everybody needs to obey, but, but he's not, you know, it's, it's sort of, it, it, it has sort of a state media feel to it. Like, you know, like if you're, I, I'm sure they don't have Christmas songs in North Korea, but if the, if the government of North Korea put out a Christmas song, it would be telling you what to do. This song is telling you what to do. And again, maybe you, you interpret it as, oh, no, no, they're just laughing about the last two years of masks and boosters. And I don't know. I don't know. I, I, because to me, the best comedy has always been when comedians went there. And right now, going there means, hey, we, we got to talk. You know, we got, we got to say the stuff no one's saying. We've got to point out what you thought but didn't say out loud. I think that's why people love what Dave Chappelle is doing right now. I think that's what they loved about George Carlin back in the day. If you're too young to remember George Carlin, Google him. George Carlin, for decades, was the guy who... And and believe me, you won't like everything he says and you won't agree with everything he says. And when I've sent people to Chappelle, they come back to me and they go, well, I didn't like what he said about Mike Pence or I didn't like what he said about Trump. I'm not saying you're going to like it all, but he's saying, as an art form, he is saying what has to be said. And Jimmy Fallon is... This could be a public service announcement for the CDC. It's... I don't know what happened to him. What the heck happened? We're talking about J.K. Rowling and uh, rapists being able to get themselves listed as women. Uh, Victor wrote to Jack at KTSA.com, I, I recently heard of a new euphemism for pedophiles. They are now to be referred to as minor attracted individuals. I had seen that too. Minor attracted individuals. So what would a what would an arsonist be? Would an arsonist be a match attracted individual? What would a carjacker be? A uh, would a carjacker be like a? Oh, he's a he's just a navigator attracted individual. <laughs> I mean, what? It's it's insane, right? So let me ask you this: What is since they always have at the end of the year? They have like the new word of the year or the word that's being added to the dictionary. What is a word or phrase this year that you would love? To, if you could hit the delete button on this, you'd, you'd hit it. What's a word or phrase you want to just get rid of this year? Something that's either they've changed the meaning of it or everybody started using it or it's a euphemism. What's the word or phrase you would hit the delete button on for 2021? Uh, 210-599-5555. Word or phrase that you wish could be deleted from 2021? Gordon is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Hi, Gordon. Jack. Hi, Gordon. Hey, the, the, the word I hate is reimagine. It sounds like mm. a bunch of PCBS. Yeah. Uh, I remember a few years ago I was listening to a program on a on a I think it was NPR, and there was a one a few years ago, quite a while, but there was a liberal speaker who was talking about how he thought the right had used verbiage quite well to get their gains, that they had to start doing things to change the verbiage to get 
what they would like to have put on the books. And this sounds like something right out of their playbook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I, I, I'm with you. When I hear reimagined, it, it sounds kind of sneaky. I think we're getting feedback on Gordon's line. So, Gordon, thank you for the call. Yeah, I mean, you can imagine something. But I don't know about reimagined. Yeah. And, and isn't that the word they kept throwing around with this crazy scheme with the Alamo? Well, we're going to make it, uh, we're going to reflect all of the different uh, uh, threads of the tapestry of San Antonio. Uh, we need to tie in all the different uh, uh, groups and uh, grievances. Uh, I don't think all the groups and grievances were there. <laughs> were they? I don't think so. 210-599-5555. Lindsay has a word or phrase to delete. All right, Lindsay, what is it? Hi, Jack. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? You are awesome, and you need to run for president. Um, oh. But... My phrase that really needs to go away from last year, actually, it's been said for a while. It's the phrase is, does that make sense? Like when somebody is trying to explain something to you or it's just it's an overly used phrase. I went to a conference not too long ago and the instructor kept saying, does that make sense? Does that make sense? Mm. Like over and Mm. over and over and over it is so annoying. It's kind of a verbal. I gotta. I gotta plead guilt. I use it because it's kind of a verbal crutch, and sometimes you mean it. You you're trying to make sure that what you've just laid out, you know, the the person you're laying it out to is is keeping up or is following along. Could it be sincerely meant sometimes? And absolutely. But when you use it, you use it properly. You explain something. It's in a natural order, and then at the very right. very end, you ask. Does that make sense? But not all over the place. It's just, it's a go-to statement. It's overused. And if you're listening... So you don't want to eliminate it. You just want to ration it out and let's not use it so much. Exactly. Okay. Yes. I think that, uh, if I may say so, I think think that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. You're awesome. I'm sorry. I couldn't help it. Thank you, Lindsay. You're very sweet to say that. 210-599-5555. 210-599-5555. All right. Uh, word or phrase from 2021 that you would like to hit delete on. David is on the radio. Hi, David. Hey, thanks, Jack. Hey, Jack, I got one for you, man. And it, it, okay. It's from the left. But, you know, when you disagree with, with someone or basically a liberal, they come back and say, let's try this again. Jack, you know what gets under my skin? Man, I'll tell you what, all kinds of thoughts come through my head when – they tell, I hear that, or I see someone talking. Oh, because then they're just going to say all the stuff they said before. Like, if they say it to you again, you'll you'll agree this time. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have heard people do that. That's a, good, that's a good point. You know what else I would put? You, your thing, let's try this again, and Lindsay's thing, does that make sense? Let me add one more to that, and they make a trio. You, this, there's this thing now where people end a sentence on an up, on kind of a weird up note and i don't know there must be a term for this in linguistics but it's where people say uh you know they they say something and they go oh, yeah like um so the president is going to speak and then the congress is going to vote it has this weird little it's kind of condescending but also uncertain i think i just did it I'm probably guilty of more than half the things we're going to delete, so you may want to stop listening to this show after today. I don't know. 
but uh, there's a there's a weird kind of maybe somebody can explain it better than I did. But there's this sort of uh, weird up bending upward of the sentence at the end where it has this odd sort of uh, you know who does it a lot is Elizabeth Warren, and I, I also I've noticed a lot of people are now beginning sentences with so. Like you ask people a, a question, so. And I, I guess that maybe that's to sort of think, like you put that in as a space to give yourself a couple of syllables or breaths to think. Could that be it? I don't, I'm trying to be a very reasonable guy here. I'm trying to cut everybody slack, but is there a word or phrase that you just want to veto, delete? We're continuing to monitor events in the tornado-affected areas, primarily Kentucky, also some of Illinois, and we will bring you briefings and updates as we get them and it's, uh, I guess, weird and maybe some consolation that tonight authorities are saying some of the unaccounted for people may be okay, but there are no cell towers and there are no uh, landlines in the area. So if you were separated from your family or loved ones and you, you couldn't get a call through, they're saying, we don't know where he is, we can't find him, we're worried about him. Some of those people they're hoping are going to be okay and just turn up. But again, there's a lot of rubble and a lot of uh, search dogs and so forth that are going through these areas. And many of us have never seen anything like this after tornadoes, uh, which we think of in this part of the country where we live as, as usually having very, you know, like remember the tornado that went through that, that neighborhood in Alamo Heights a few years ago and it was basically on a street. Because I remember being in that neighborhood not long after, and you could be on the next street over, and it was like nothing had happened. So they can be very small and local. These were much bigger and and went on much longer. And um, obviously, uh, just in Kentucky alone, they have a death toll over 70. They have about 100 or more people unaccounted for, and we'll continue to bring you that story. Um, I, I, I really am moved by this man named Jim Finch. I, I spoke about him today on the Jack Riccardi Just a Minute video commentary. man named Jim Finch showed up in Mayfield, Kentucky. And I say showed up because he drove into town in the middle of this devastation, parked, pulled out a charcoal grill, fired that up, pulled out packages of food, started grilling food. He had pallets of bottled water. He started handing those out. People came up to him, and reporters came up to him, and they wanted to know which relief organization he was with, and he wasn't. And which food company had he, had one of the supermarket chains sent him or something? No. Finally, a reporter said, well, who are you? <laughs> he gave his name. And they said, well, what are you doing? And he said, this, I just, this needed to be done. And uh, let me play this for you. This is Jim Finch on the streets of Mayfield, Kentucky. Listen to this. I know they don't have no electricity, so that means they don't have no electricity. No restaurants, no running water, so I just figure I'd do what I can do. Show up with some food and some water. What are we, what are we cooking? Uh, hamburgers, chicken, I got sausage, eggs. Uh, just a little simple stuff that you can have and not have to worry about making a mess or... You know, grab and go type of food. Are you from the area? I was born in Paducah, but I came down here today from Clarksville. You came out here just to cook for people? Wow. You have a restaurant or you? No, sir. 
It just needed to be done. I'll tell you what, that's that's one of the best things I've heard this year. And 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 I really believe that's who we are. You know, when politicians like to say, this is not who we are. Jim Finch is who we are. It's who we've always been. And if we keep that spirit alive, if there are enough people like him, and I really believe there are, I think there's a lot of people like him, I think we'll be fine. Politicians are scaring me, they're scaring you, but I'm very reassured that we are, that's the, 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 the American people, not the portrayal of them in the media, not the polling, not the political parties, we are Jim Finch, we are a Jim Finch country, I think. 210-599-5555, alright, so um, words and phrases. The dictionary people add hundreds of them every year. Merriam-Webster, I think, added like 500 new words this year. And uh, they added uh, cancel culture. They and, uh, added BIPOC, um, which I'm trying to remember. BIPOC is something, something people of color. It's, oh, indigenous, black indigenous and people of color. They added that. Uh, but what's a word or phrase you would like to delete from 2021? 210-599-5555. And Joe is on KTSA. Hi, Joe. Hey, Jack. How you doing? Good. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine, man. Thank you for taking my call. Hey, I want to miss sure. wish you a Merry Christmas. And Merry thank Christmas. Thank you for the Jim Finch story. That's inspirational, man. That's, that's the kind of stuff. And you say that's not who we are. That's almost like one of those phrases need to be taken out, too. But taken out with the trash but, but the way True. you put it you know that is that we we need to call out the people that is who we are right so that was a good way to turn that so I, um while i was on hold i was listening i think man that's that's pretty cool um but yeah i don't know this is this is one that comes up every year i'm sure this is not new but everybody's had that manager everybody's had those people in the meeting who who go on and on and i don't want to be that guy but they they always have to throw in at the end of the day and I think what they're doing is, <laughs> at, at the end of the day, you know, it's, yeah. every year you get somebody's got to bring this up, right? So it's the end of the year, so we've got to bring it up at the end of the day. Um, no, but I think it's their excuse to take what was a word salad and turn it into a word soup. You could. I think that's right. Before. Yeah. Now they've now they've extended their they've stayed too long. They've extended their stay. Going okay. At the end of the day. The bottom line, whatever they're trying to say, they mm-hmm. want to sum it up, but mm-hmm. they just can't. And if they do that, mm-hmm. especially when they do it at the end of every paragraph, when they're trying to tell a story or make a point, mm-hmm. is especially annoying. So when you yeah, it's probably them, one of those phrases that you could use once in a while. It would be just right once in a while, but the rest of the time, it's a crutch. Right. And, and I like and, what you said that it takes a it takes a word salad and tries to make something of it. Yeah, that's you, you, when you realize you've been been just like all over the place. You throw in so at the end of the day, very good. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate the call. Appreciate the kind words. By the way, as somebody that ad libs for three hours a day, I, I am the king of the verbal crutch. I I have used them. I will plead guilty. Many of the things you're going to say and have said, I've used. I'm totally guilty. I will say, when you are talking for a living, you sometimes need a little filler, a little space keeper. Think of the next thought, get to the next element. But I, I you know, so you can call me out on these. I'm cool with that. I, 
I, uh, I'm guilty on some of these. But this is a word or a phrase you would like to delete from 2021 as we go into 2022. 210-599-5555. Uh, Merriam-Webster added wet market to the dictionary this year. I wish we could forget about that. Uh, they added, um, this is one that uh, I, I, to me seems like a good word. I don't know why they why this wasn't already in the dictionary. Performative. Performative um, has come to mean something different, according to Merriam-Webster. So what it now means is it's a disapproving adjective. It means something that was done for show. So if you send a bouquet of flowers to the boss you hate, that was not generous or big, that was performative. If you put a BLM sticker on your car, but you don't do anything to combat racism, that's performative. I think a lot of that movement is performative, in my opinion. Uh, 210-599-5555. All right, another Joe with a word or phrase. Hi, Joe. Hey, Jack. How you doing? Good. You got one for us? Yeah, it's uh, either my truth or their oh, truth. Yeah. I'm yeah. a fan of the truth. <laughs> well said. Yeah, as soon as people start bringing up my truth, <laughs> meaning I guess uh, they don't want to have to defend their version of events, so... And they don't want you to pick holes in it or, or poke holes in it, so it's just their truth. Like you can't touch it. Like after right. a, after yeah. a heavy Very night good. of drinking, it's my <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Very good. All right. Um, Luis is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. All right, Luis, hit me. Hey, Jack, how you doing? Good, thank you. How are you? Uh, pretty good. Uh of your show. Um, I have actually two of them. Okay. Um, I got it is what it is, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's been around for a while, it hasn't it? it yeah. yeah, it's kind of annoying a little bit when they keep on using it. Um, and uh, the other word, unprecedented, unprecedented, mm-hmm. or something like that. Like this, unprecedented, this unprecedented, yeah. Yeah, yeah they they use especially the Biden administration. They use that a lot. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's true. They've they've they're always surprised by events, right? Like inflation's a surprise to them and the high gas prices are a surprise to them. These are all the result of their policies. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, you don't get that's to be crazy. surprised when you're the ones that did it. <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah. It's like they want to come down and sit in the seats with us. Oh, we don't know what's going on either. We don't, this is a, it's all news to us. Very good, Luis. Good job. Thank you. Word or phrase you would like to delete from 2021. We're about to delete all of 2021, but uh, if there's a word or phrase that's been overused or stretched beyond any intelligent meaning or usage, let me have it. Uh, I've got this... Uh, Email from uh, Brian to jack at ktsa.com. Brian says, this is an easy one. When callers into radio shows start off by asking, how are you doing? I always feel bad for the host who's trying to keep the pace going. I usually, he writes, end up yelling at the radio, he already told the last three callers he's fine. With apologies to the cars next to me at a red light, writes Brian. 
You know, it is true that almost every caller asks, how are you? But I, I don't mind it. I, can, I never thought of it being annoying to a person listening. I guess it could be. I could see that. I don't, for the record, I don't mind if you ask. Because it's just you and me talking, and you, you know, you're asking for you. You're not asking because the last guy asked, so that's cool. I don't mind being asked that. I wouldn't tell you if I wasn't fine, you know. <laughs> not going to really go into a lot of gory details. Uh, all right, so let's go to, um, where are we going here next? Chris is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Hi, Chris. Hello, greetings, and it's really uh, good to listen to all the comments. Moderate Democrat is my little phrase or word <laughs> because they don't exist anymore. Think of this. Bill Clinton today, based on his politics, would be a Republican light. He like would. Romney. Yep. yep. He, he really would, would based right. on his politics. Uh, yep. My next-door neighbor, who I thought was moderate, has come out and said anyone who's voted for Trump should go to reading education camps. And I'm going, Oh, nice. Oh. Nice. Yeah, and this is what you, you know, I've gotten this from a number of them. You Trump supporters. I go, no, some of us just voted for Trump because the alternative sucked, and we're doing that right now. And others of us really did like Trump. So, yeah, well, you need to go to education camp. And for Brian, hey, how you doing, boy? (laughs) All right, thank you, Chris. So Chris nominates moderate Democrats. Well, we got to keep the term in the hope that somebody will fit the term at some point. Um, I think you could probably call, like, maybe Joe Manchin, right? I'd probably call him a moderate Democrat. Um, and I think there are local Democrats that are kind of moderate. I actually do. I'm not saying that jokingly. I'm not saying that ironically. Um, but, yeah, the, in Washington, they're they're hard to find. That's true. Let's see. Mary is on the radio on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Hello, Mary. Yes, I have a word and I have a mm-hmm. phrase. Okay. Let's the have word it. is racist. Yeah, overused. And it is used as every possible part of speech or even things that do not have a brain, but they're racist. Yep. Okay, my uh, phrase come on, man. <laughs> I'm guilty of that one. I'm guilty of that one. It's hard not to use that Probably one. Do I really have to? Do I really have to give that up, Mary? Can I just reduce it a little? Can I cut it down twenty percent? I'm probably you. Probably use it in a better context. Yeah. Who are you? Who are you thinking of? <clears throat> who am I thinking of? <laughs> oh, our leader who tells everyone the way things should be yeah now when he says it i really believe he's drawing a blank exactly he does not know the answer to the question yeah yeah probably so all right mary those are good ones thank you come on Uh, man five nine (laughs) there he is two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five that should be a ringtone right for like somebody you you know, not not your not your general ringtone, but like when you set up special ones for certain people. Which, by the way, I was told the other day, I'm I'm passing this along to you. If you have custom ringtones, like you know, a song that plays only when your wife calls, or a song that plays when your son calls, 
that means you're old. Yeah, that the, the kids aren't doing that anymore. So you may want to reconsider. On 550 and 1071 KTSA. Coming up, the results on our Stevens Roofing JR poll. And uh, are you a Denzel Washington fan? I'm a big Denzel Washington fan. I uh, My favorite Denzel Washington movie is Devil in a Blue Dress, which goes back quite a ways, but he's made so many, I'm sure, dozens and dozens of movies. He's got a new one out. Um, it's called A Journal for Jordan, and he directed it. And they had the red carpet premiere recently. And on the red carpet, Denzel was asked about an actor who he had not heard of before. This is a very young actor named Damson Idris. I'd never heard of him until I read this story. Uh, Damson Idris is an up-and-coming star who had said in an interview that he auditioned for one of Denzel Washington's old movies. And uh, Denzel Washington frankly admitted to the questioner that he didn't know who that was. I don't know who that is. And they named the show or stuff that that Damson Idris is in, and he still didn't know. Uh, So people took him to task, like it was disrespectful, (laughs) for not knowing. I don't think that's how it works. You know, if you are an up-and-coming star in the movies or in your industry or my industry it is not incumbent on the legends to know who you are it's your job to make them know who you are it's your job to do work or create a body of work that can't be ignored that brings you to their attention and and Denzel Washington was very cool about it in fact he even said I'll look the guy up I'll find out who he is. I mean, no disrespect to him. I just don't know who that is. And Damson Idris is a cool guy, too. In fact, he does. I want to play this for you. Damson Idris does a pretty cool Denzel Washington impression. Take a listen to this. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Another guy. Sharp. <laughs> Nobody got a lineup like me on television. Nobody. <laughs> That's pretty good. The guy probably will be a star. I didn't know who he was till I read the article. So, um, apparently, he's on something called Snowfall. Don't know what that is either. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. All right, a word or a phrase from twenty twenty one that we should delete as we end the year. And Kara is on five fifty and one zero seven one KTSA. Hi, Kara. Hey. Hey. How are you? That was for Brian. How are you? <laughs> That's right. Let's all say it now for Brian. Right. Uh, okay, so my word or my phrase is, we'll get through this. Oh, yes. Yeah. So that, condescending. It just feels yes. so condescending to me. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm so, I'm I'm over that one. 
And I'm also because, over, you know what you uh, could combine with that. You could combine with that. We're all in the same boat. Oh heck yeah, yeah. And that's not that that's clearly uh, not true after is, this year. No, that and new normal because oh, all of yes. those things, all those things would um, insinuate that this is going to be over someday. And honestly, I don't <clears throat> feel like they're ever going to the powers that be or whoever's running the show, whatever. I don't feel like that's ever going to happen. They're never going to let this die. So that's just my thought. Well, those are all good ones. Um, And and you really really got me with the new normal because I I said a while back I refuse to accept a new normal. I'll I'll do what I need to do to stay healthy and not catch the stupid thing, but you're not telling me from now on this is how it is. And You're right. They may not want to let go of it, but I'm letting go of it. And, Kara, thanks for the call. Good ones. Those are three good ones. Uh, Bob is on KTSA. Hi, Bob. How are you doing? Oh, oh, sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, uh, there's one phrase uh, that if you ask somebody a question and they start talking to you, they say, well, you know, uh, this, this, and they say, you know, again, and it goes over and over, and you're trying to find the answer, but they're saying, you know. So we don't like to be told, you know, when we don't know. In a sense, is that it? But the only thing is, you're trying to find you find trying to find an answer, yeah. but they're saying, "Well, you know, you know, it just mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you're supposed to know basically what it is." Yeah, that's hard to st- once people call your attention to the fact that you're saying that, then it's even harder to stop saying it. So you may have, yeah, you may be right, but it's going to be hard to let go of that one. You know what I'm saying? And see, and I just I'm did from, it. Uh, I'm from New Orleans <laughs> too, and there's a. Uh, there's a saying that uh, we meet when we meet somebody on the street, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, we turn around mm-hmm. and instead of saying hello, we say, where you at? Yes. Yes. I've heard that. I've heard that. When I first moved here, Bob, thanks for the call. Those are good ones. When I first moved here, um, I've told this story before, I, I had to get used to how friendly strangers were because up north you get on an elevator and you ignore each other. It's, the, it's what's done. Or walk past somebody in the hallway, you, you know, stone face, right? Here, I moved down here, this is 94, and the question that kept throwing me was, how are you doing? How are you doing? And asked with great earnest and sincerity, how are you doing? I got to where I thought, am I walking funny or do I... <laughs> My nose bleeding or what? It, it made me self-conscious because I felt like I, I thought I was doing fine. But it's just a friendly greeting. It's how are you doing? And that's not really said with that emphasis in the part of the country from which I hail. So I love it. I'm not complaining. But I had to get used to it. How are you doing? I think, I think fine. How am I doing? You almost want to turn it back on them. Like, you tell me, how am I doing? 210-599-5555. All right, one more, and uh, it's going to be Patrick on KTSA. Hi, Patrick. Hey, how are you doing? Well, the one that <laughs> aggravates me the most is, let me circle back on that. Oh, you know, yeah. If, if I were sitting in the room with Pataki, I think I would morph into the Irish character I'm from Braveheart, Stephen. <laughs> you know, answer the freaking question. You know, can't you just be straight? Let me circle back 
Yeah. I, I know she didn't invent it, but she's definitely popularized it, hasn't she? She she has you know, it's and it's not not always the phrase, you know, it's like some people that have a voice that tone that sounds like fingernails mm-hmm. on the chocolate. Mm-hmm. And and that's one of them. And it, I just, well, there's a condescension to everything says, she says, right? It's very everything is very like schoolmarmish, you know. Right, condescending. Uh, you know, let me just avoid your question because if I tell you right. the truth, uh, you're liable to throw me out of here. And right. you know, the other thing that bothers me is when her minions uh, cause all of the reporters to leave. They don't just ask them to politely leave; they start screaming at them. Yes, that's like. That's right. It's like they're breaking up a protest. Very good, Patrick. Good observations. you got a good eye for this stuff. All right, on uh, the JR poll tonight, powered by Stevens Roofing, we asked you, will you miss Chris Wallace when he leaves Fox? Chris Wallace is uh, wrapping up his 18-year tenure on Fox News Channel, joining CNN's streaming channel. Um, I thought for a minute maybe he was under consideration to replace... Chris Cuomo, but that's not the case. He's going to do some kind of streaming deal over at CNN. Um, will you miss him? 94% said no. And 6% said yes. And I think one of those who voted yes was Chris Wallace. I was just kidding. So now they got to replace him on Fox News Sunday. You know who I hope gets that job? I really think she would be great. At that is Shannon Bream. Have you ever watched her late, late night show on Fox? It's like a very straight news kind of news and panel kind of deal. So I think she's an attorney by trade. Very sharp, good questions, very organized presentation of the show. And, um, boy, I think putting her in that, you know, newsmaker interview kind of position. I also like Kevin Cork, the White House correspondent they have on weekends. But either Shannon Bream or Kevin Cork I think would be great. For Fox News Sunday. Not that they care what I think, because they don't. They're not asking me. All right. Um, I posted it on my Facebook page. There's a picture that's gone viral of a uh, canyon on Mars. In fact, it's called the Grand Canyon of Mars. And uh, people believe that the photo shows a crashed flying saucer on the surface of Mars. I think it would be good to know if that is, in fact, what it is. What people think it is. That's what it looks like. You can look at the uh, picture on the Jack Riccardi Facebook page. Decide for yourself if you think a flying saucer crashed on Mars. I mean, it does look very out of place with everything else that's around it. But there are alternative explanations. I think NASA says it's just a dune. Of course, wouldn't NASA have to say that, right? They've got a, they've got like a whole room full of people, right? Who anytime there's apparently a sighting or a rumor of a They've always got to have some explanation. So that's the explanation. Look look at it. Decide for yourself. I'm going to leave you tonight with this one from B.B. King, since we always play B.B. King on our show, Into the Night. We're going to go into the night with another B.B. King song from the holiday season. Here's Backdoor Santa, and I'll see you tomorrow.